Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. A lot of times people look at optometrists and they think, oh, well, this doctor just deals with contact lenses and glasses, but there's just so much more. There's a lot of different subspecialties that we can fill, such as vision therapy, things like sports vision, especially contact lenses. That's my niche. These doctors help patients who would otherwise only benefit from surgical intervention. There's all sorts of specialties, so you don't have to be specifically in primary care. You can specialize in different aspects. This is your host, Felicia Gopal. I want to thank everyone for joining us and welcome you to today's podcast and interview. Today, we're continuing our series on the top 100 careers featuring the profession of optometrists. Optometrists perform eye exams to check for vision problems and diseases. They prescribe eyeglasses and contact lenses as needed. Most optometrists work in standalone offices. A small number work in doctor's offices, retail stores, outpatient clinics and hospitals. Most work full-time and some work in the evenings and weekends to suit client needs. Optometrists must complete a Doctor of Optometry program and get a state license. Usually takes about four years after earning your undergraduate degree. Employment for optometrists is expected to grow by 33% between now and 2020, which is at a much faster rate than the average for other occupations. Today's guest is Dr. Jason E. Compton. He is the founder and CEO of therightcontact.com. He'll tell us a little bit more about his practice. Dr. Compton earned his doctorate of optometry degree from SUNY State University of New York and completed his residency in ocular diseases at the Wilmington, Delaware Veterans Administration Medical Center. He currently works in a multifaceted private practice where he specializes in advanced tech procedures such as rigid gas, permeable lenses, scleral lenses, and multifocal contact lens fittings. In addition to contact lens fittings, he provides non-surgical diagnostic and therapeutic care of the eye, including medical eye examinations, refractive surgery consultations, pre-operative and post-operative care, treatment for minor eye injuries, and diagnosis and management of a variety of ocular diseases such as glycoma and muscular degeneration. Dr. Compton is currently an active member of the New York State Optometric Association and the American Optometric Association. Friends, it is my pleasure to welcome today's guest, Dr. Jason Compton. Jason, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great intro. Appreciate it. Not a problem. So tell me about how you became an optometrist. Is it a class you took, somebody who inspired you, somebody that you knew in your past? Well, when I was in college, I guess even earlier than that, I always kind of had an idea I wanted to get into healthcare profession, but I didn't really have a specific path or, or an idea what I wanted to do with it. When I was in um, college, I worked, one of my uncles had an optical in New York City, and I just kind of worked there on the weekends after class, just kind of make some extra money. And I, and I specifically remember meeting the doctor that was there. She was young. She was cool. She was loving life. She was just out of school. And she kind of knew or saw where I was in the situation, and she pulled me to the side. I'll never forget her word. She said, Jason, she was like, optometry is the world's best kept secret. I mean, it was that little speech between her and I that kind of 
piqued my interest at least to look into it a little bit more. And I got to tell you, I haven't looked back since. Love it. So let me ask you a follow-up question. So why did she say it was the best kept secret? Because I guess when you think about healthcare professions, the default response is just to be like a medical doctor and go to a medical school. And with optometry school, the route is completely different. I guess we'll go into that a little bit later. But it was just the idea that you didn't have the long series of residency and fellowship. And she was out in four years after graduate school. She was a doctor. She was making a great income. She was able to support a family. I mean, it, it was it had all the benefits of being a doctor without that nine, 10, 12 year sometime commitment. Excellent. Excellent. So what sorts of problems does an optometrist solve? So basically in optometry, you're responsible for the visual, both the visual and the ocular health of the patient. A lot of times people look at optometrists and they think, oh, well, this doctor just deals with contact lenses and glasses, but there's just so much more. There's a lot of different subspecialties that we can fill, things such as vision therapy, where doctors work with patients on how the eyes work together as a team. There's things like sports vision, where they work with athletes to improve the visual aspect of their game. Especially contact lenses is a field that I hold dear. That's my niche. And basically these doctors help patients who would otherwise only benefit from surgical intervention. You have optometrists that work with peds, ocular disease, low vision. I mean, there's all sorts of specialties. So that's kind of one of the advantages of it. The fact that you don't have to be specifically in primary care. You can specialize in different, different aspects. Well, you know, that's actually news to me because, you know, when I think of an optometrist, I think of the way that you were talking about in terms of people think about it in terms of glasses and, and eye care. And it sounds like there is so much more to it than just that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, granted, the average optometrist you're going to meet when you go to your lens crafters or your Cohen optical just to refill your prescription. But there are other things, other visual and ocular problems that these professionals can address, and it's quite unique. So one of the things that has been showing up as me and my family grow older is my father has been dealing with uh, macular degeneration of one of his macular. eyes. Macular, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a doctor of optometry. <laughs> but my husband, however, has been, you know, he's walking around the house squirting medicine into his eyes because he's also dealing with the pressure on the eyes. So okay. it sounds like there's a lot more than just contact lenses that a doctor can help us with. Exactly. Like, for instance, in the practice that I work with, there are currently about 18 doctors in our practice. Half of them are optometrists. The other half are medical doctors. And going on of your example of macular degeneration, a patient like that can see either the medical doctor or the optometrist because in its early stages, it's something that's just managed or monitored, I should say. You will educate or coach the patient on lifestyle things that they can change to decrease the risk of converting to a worser form or encouraging vitamin therapy. But when it becomes an issue that requires surgical intervention, that's when the medical doctor steps in. And the same thing holds true with glaucoma. Glaucoma, the first line of treatment is with eye drops. And that is something in the state of New York, I guess nationwide, not I guess, nationwide, that is something that an optometrist can prescribe and monitor. So are there any myths or misconceptions about being an optometrist? I would say it kind of piggybacks off of what we were just talking about. The fact that, you know, most people look at it as just glasses and contacts. 
and I would tell people that a routine eye exam that starts off glasses and contacts can sometimes reveal all sorts of things. I mean, a lot of times the way I explain it to my patients is that the eye is like a really interesting part of the body in that it's the only part of the body where we can see the blood vessels without cutting into the skin. So what does that mean? If a patient has anything that affects the blood, we can see it in the back of the eye. The most popular or common things would be things like blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes. The idea is that, yeah, these things can affect the eye, but the bigger picture is that if I see things in the back of the eye that are not under control, then it gives me kind of a clue as to what's going on throughout the body. Because if it's affecting the eye, it's affecting the heart, the lung, the same exact way. So there's a lot more to just the glasses and contacts when you go to get your routine eye exam. They can actually reveal a lot of information about the overall health of your body. It's interesting that you should say that because I know that my mother was experiencing problems with her eyesight, so she went to go see her eye doctor, and that's when she found out that she had uncontrolled diabetes. So, um, you know, I know and can testify to the fact that it was the eye doctor who was able to diagnose and tell her that, you know, you need to go and get treated for this. And when it came to pass, she ended up going into the hospital the next day or even later on that day. It was that out of control. I can tell you that as recently as last week, I've had a patient in my chair with a life-threatening condition where the patient came in saying, oh, I just want new glasses. And then the eye exam revealed that she had cancer. And she was sent to an oncologist. This is actually just last Wednesday. And she's currently undergoing treatment. And something like this, if it's missed, the patient can actually die from. So, I mean, this is actually an extreme example, but it, it happens. It actually, it definitely happens. Absolutely. And I can speak to my mother loves her optometrist just because of that. You know, I mean, they always had a good relationship, but she feels like her optometrist was really instrumental in saving her life because she just thought, you know, I'm getting older and my vision is getting bad. And yes. and it was her doctor, her optometrist, who revealed something about her health that she didn't know herself. Exactly. Exactly. So if you had the opportunity to give a young Jason advice, what advice would you give yourself today based on what you know now about your career field? Hmm, That's a tough one because while I was in school, I always thought that my desire to or the way I wanted to practice is more ocular disease. And I did my residency in that. But, you know, as the years have progressed, I've moved closer to the specialty contact lens niche. So I guess. I would have wanted to concentrate a bit more on that in the past, but nothing, no like real regrets, no real regrets. I mean, I love what I do. And in fact, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking that my ocular disease training is actually kind of what opened me up to my specialty contact lens training. So I don't even know, to be honest with you. I love what I do. <laughs> All right. Well, there's, there's nothing wrong with loving what you do. Mm-hmm. So what gets you up in the morning to serve your clients? What gets me up in the morning? Hmm. The understanding about, I guess, what we're doing, if you think about it, you could take the most important person. I'm looking at your default picture, you or somebody you look up to. These individuals can't do anything or I won't say anything, but they can't do their job without someone like me. Glasses and contact vision is often taken for granted, but it's a crucial part to our lives. So, you know, even though patients take it for granted, sometimes they really do turn around and they're like, man, like, thank you. And I guess that's why I like 
specialty contact lenses so much because it's these patients that have been told by various other people that there was nothing else that could be done for them other than having surgery. And it's the gratitude that I get from them afterwards that I guess that keeps me going. But there's also, you also see a lot of crazy things. And it gets kind of amusing or entertaining in that whenever you're, as a doctor, you never know what's going to end up in your chair. I mean, I could tell you some crazy stories, but it can be entertaining at times. Got it. So I always like to ask the other side of the question, which is what keeps you up at night? Missing things, I guess. Because you always want to make sure that, I mean, the example like with, I think you said your mother, you know, like if that doctor wasn't really paying attention, he could have missed something or he or she could have missed something. You always want to give your best to the patient because if you're not, you know, the patient's taking it for granted that you know what you're doing and you're giving them the right directive and and guidance. You definitely want to kind of stresses you out sometimes, but So provided, you know, we all have good training and you put it to practice. And I guess everyone at some level has that kind of anxiety, but I wouldn't say it's something to keep you up at night, but you think about it from time to time. No, but I understand. You know, I've been in financial services for years. And one of the things that is true about being in financial services is, you know, if I give you my best advice and guidance and you don't take it, then I already know what trajectory you're going to be on in terms of your finances. And so, you know, it kind of keeps you up at night when, for whatever reason, people decide to wait, think about it or whatever it is they do. So it's less of a missing, but, you know, I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to get rich off of you, which Mm -hmm. is kind of sometimes Mm -hmm. how people feel when somebody's working in financial services. I'm telling you this because I know that, you know, 10 years into the future, 20 years into the future, when you get to retirement, if you don't start to change things now, the future is going to look very, very bleak for you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I know what you're talking about in terms of a missing or, you know, wanting the best for your clients. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, what's going on in your industry that somebody who was coming into the field would need to know about? There are actually a lot of changes in my industry. I would say it has a lot to do with the fact that the profession of optometry is not a part of the American Medical Association, the AMA and the Optometric Association, two different entities. And and the reason why I say that is that our profession is a legislative profession. So for that reason, an optometrist in New York is going to practice different than optometrists in Arizona because the state laws provide or enable them to do that. For instance, I can't prescribe oral medication in New York, whereas a lot of other states you can. This is an area of contention within the profession, and there's a lot of people aggressively trying to address this issue, and especially with the health care laws coming down the pipe. No one really knows how this is going to affect the profession, but it is something that a lot of people are paying attention to right now. You know, only time is going to tell. 
you know what there's a lot we could say about that and so i'm just gonna yeah, no. i'm just gonna let that be because you're you're, <laughs> you're true it's very true that you know with the changes in the healthcare system and the new changes that are being legislated it's going to affect many professions in various different ways and optometry is just one of the professions that will be affected by the changes so you'll have to take a kind of a wait and see approach exactly <laughs> Yeah. Got it. So why do you think that being an optometrist is on the list of the top 100 careers? I think going back to what we said with my friend, a best kept secret, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's so flexible. I think that if you want that whole nine to five low stress option, it's there. If you want to work with celebrities, you know, high maintenance, it's there. If you want to work in a hospital setting, it's there. You have all those different options all within the same profession. So it caters to a lot of people. I guess you put it that way. It caters to a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different lifestyles, and all of which are pay very well. Perfect. So do you have any final thoughts for somebody who was considering your profession? I would say regarding the profession, I think it's an absolutely excellent choice for any young professional, especially if they're undecided and they're considering the healthcare field, it's something worth looking into. Again, like we said, it's not very restricted in that you have a lot of options and it's very easy to go into your local optical or I'm sure many of your listeners have an optometrist that they see on a regular or annual basis to ask them their feedback of what they think about the profession. I think they'd be hard pressed to find someone that didn't like it or in fact love it. I think that's probably true. So let me ask you a final question. So if people were interested in learning more about you or get more information on the profession, do you have some suggestions on how they could get a hold of you? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I'm easily contacted on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn way too much. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn.com slash in slash Jason E. Compton. I also am the founder and president of a contact lens resource that I developed a couple years ago that is used nationally by thousands of optometrists. And it's a resource that we use to get information on products that we prescribe to patients. Your users obviously may not be doctors, but there's some useful information on different technology with contact lenses and information about different options or different things that they may be candidates for that they may bring up to their doctors. So you can definitely uh, reach out to me there. That's at the, the rightcontact.com, which I'm sure will be listed in the show notes. Absolutely. It will be listed in the show notes. So I just really want to take the time to say thank you for sharing your information, your thoughts about the profession. You know, I knew something about optometrists because I've had glasses since I was 12 and then I went into contacts and then I got my eyes fixed and, you know, now I'm looking at having to get glasses again uh, in order to see close. But, you know, that's an ongoing saga. But I didn't quite understand <laughs> the difference between why you might have one experience in one state versus another and and the differences that are really dictated by the legislature in the state that you're in. So I thank you for bringing that to the forefront because that was something that I was completely unaware of. Okay, excellent. All right, so thank you very much for your time today. I've really appreciated learning more about the profession. I appreciated telling you about it. All right. <laughs> the secret is out. The secret is out.
To learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at collegefundingresource.com. I also encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our Career 100 podcasts. If you like our podcast, we invite you to go to our iTunes channel and rate it. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen for free to guests like Dr. Compton, who have got valuable information to share about different careers for you to consider. And I also want to thank my listeners for joining us today and hope you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.